0: Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where leaders share how they've created a company so incredible their employees have to tell their friends about it. And now, here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is Jordan Peace, and today we're chatting with Gerald Ewing. Gerald is with G2, and he's responsible for human resources initiatives, including onboarding, communication, training, and assisting with career mapping. And pathing for all associates. And I want to make sure we talk about that. While pursuing his doctorate in psychology, by the way, he also enjoys just helping employees develop their career and bring their best selves to the workplace. So uh excited to have you today. Welcome, Gerald.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So so I wanted to talk about that because you know, you are obviously working full-time, you're working in the midst of a pandemic, you're working in probably what I would say is the hardest field in 2021 in HR and you're also pursuing a doctorate at the same time. That's a lot. So how do those two things blend together? Do you find that you're applying what you're learning in your field of study kind of routinely or daily in the HR field?
1: Absolutely. I apply it every day in most conversations that I have with my team members And so the field that I'm pursuing in psychology is actually called positive psychology. Mm. And so it's more so, you know, talking about people's strengths and weaknesses and trying to utilize them all in their everyday lives, not just at work, but at home with their children, with their families as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's a fun experience to hear their stories and be able to kind of help guide them in the best way possible or lead them to certain resources that will help them continue their paths
0: yeah well let's go down that rabbit hole for a minute in terms of resources and in terms of just just helping people navigate this emotional moment in 2021 you know there's been a lot to think about there's been an election there's been a lot of social unrest there's been, Progress in some ways on that front, but also pain. Mm-hmm. And then, certainly, the pandemic is just an enormous, you know, unseen for most of us, thankfully, unseen stressor and so forth. How do you think your people are doing with that? And then, sorry for the compound question, but how are they doing and, and what sort of resources are you looking at and, and kind of bringing to the table to assist people as they go through this time?
1: So I would have to say my people are doing a lot better now. It's been 13, 14 months since we started a complete remote environment. And for a lot of our people, it was a struggle. Mm. And it was a struggle because our age ranges from 24 to 73. So we've got a, a vast amount of people who some are tech savvy, some are not so tech savvy. And some of them who are, you know, maybe in the fourth quarter of their careers, I like to call it, have gotten so used to going into the office every day, getting their cup of coffee and starting work or talking to people before they start work. And that shifted, that changed for them. So it became a little bit more of a struggle because they're by themselves pretty much all day outside of different video meetings or instant message chatting they're by themselves. So it it took a lot of conversation, a lot of surveys, a lot of what do you need questions being asked on a very consistent basis to keep people engaged and motivated. And we went through a couple of different iterations of like introducing new technology to help people stay connected or trying to do fun games or different activities outside of happy hour like that was everyone's go-to let's just do a happy hour and see how everyone's doing but not everyone drinks and so not everyone feels comfortable coming to a happy hour and to add on top of that now we have employees in all different time zones so it Mm -hmm. became even more complicated to try and find a time to get everyone together at the same time yeah but I, i must say that people are doing a lot better with being remote now they're getting used to the new technologies that we're using to stay connected so it's been working out well for us there are still a few people who want to go back into the office but yeah. everyone else has adjusted
0: yeah do you think it's the the loneliness that's been sort of the the big factor that you know people have been dealing with it? what what else is there just from a psychological standpoint like what is that sort of inner pain if you could and everybody's different but if you could identify sort of that nuance of what is this common experience that we're feeling? Is this grief? Is this loneliness? Is it a combination of things? I would have to say it's a
1: combination of all of those things. It's loneliness, it's grief, but it's also guilt. Hmm. A lot of people that I've spoken to say that they always feel guilty about not being in front of their computer when it's like the business's core business hours. They feel like they always need to be accessible, and ready to respond to an email at the drop Mm. of a dime. And so, you know, in some of those conversations that I was having with people, and I was like, well, if you were in the office, what would you do? You know, would you drop everything and respond? Would you finish what you were doing and then respond? Or, you know, would you push it to someone else who has the time? Like, how would you navigate this situation in the office? And that's kind of how I've been helping people letting go of some of those guilty feelings, yeah. but also just encouraging them to take breaks. Like, hey, it's okay to take a 15 minute break if you need to step away from your computer. Or hey, if you're at home, if you need to throw a load of laundry in, go ahead, it's okay. <laughs> right. So it's been, for me, it's been more so of giving them permission to carry out their normal lives. You know, we operate on a flexible schedule. So as long as you're getting your work done, you're able to attend those meetings and things that you need to, we're fine. We want you to be okay to breathe and take a break and
0: get away and recharge. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. And speaking of flexible hours and so forth, I was going to ask you just from a systematic standpoint, like obviously you're going to do a lot interpersonally and asking those important questions, but there's also... Kind of systematic elements that I would imagine you guys have put into place over the last, say, 18 months, 16 months. What's changed from a policy, benefits, whatever, hours, PTO? What decisions have been made that maybe wouldn't have been made if we kind of weren't forced into this remote world? So I would say the first decision that was made was to
1: move from an accrual PTO policy to a more flexible vacation. Okay. So I did, like I said, always doing surveys, always asking people how they feel. I was reading some articles and it talked about PTO and burnout and how people aren't taking vacation because they don't have anywhere to go. And so it made me go and look at my own people and see like, oh, wait, none of my people have taken a vacation. What's going on? Wow. And it was because a lot of them I felt like as soon as the world opened back up, if they were using their vacation, they wouldn't be able to go anywhere. Mm. And they just knew, like, I'm going to have an itch to go travel here or go there, and I'm not going to be able to do that. And I saw people starting to burn out and people starting to send me messages like, I I need a positive quote today. Like, I just need something to keep me going. Right. And it was like, well, when's the last time you took a day off? And they was like, well, I haven't taken one since we've been removed. And that's where all of those guilty feelings started coming up again. Like, well, there's really nowhere for me to go. And so I had to kind of lead by example. Mm. And so I took a week off. I sent a message out to everyone to let them know, hey, I'm taking a much needed break for me to work on me and just go relax somewhere. I'm not going far. So, you know, if it's an emergency, you can still get a hold of me, but take a break. And it wasn't until... I did it and I got other people and senior leadership to do it mm-hmm. that other people started to feel more comfortable just taking a few days off. And I am an advocate for taking a mental health day. Yeah. Like sometimes you just log in and you, know, you just feel it come over your body where you're just like, you know what? Today is not the day for me. Right. I need to take a day off. And so I've been encouraging people to do that also. So that was the first kind of change. Mm where we started to see people have a positive reaction to it. Some of them were a little afraid about losing that accrued PTO. Yeah, But after they started using it more frequently, just like, well, this is great. I get to get my work done and take whatever break I need. And that's where the policy came in and why it was designed that way to offer them that type of flexibility.
0: Yeah. And has that been received pretty much universally positive or... How's that? Nothing universally positive, but how how has that gone?
1: (laughs) It's gone really well. Every, every person in the company has taken time off since we've switched. Um, And I think it's really helped kind of give people back some of their time and really adjust to like, if there is going to be a normal again, or if it's just, this is our, our future. This is what we're dealing with now. Yeah, But it's, it's had some, very good feedback. They're always those outliers who still think sure. it's a bad idea. Yeah. But for the most part, it's been received pretty well.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, if you if you even get 90%, 80% of people on board, you're doing really well mm-hmm. <laughs> with any policy. I'm curious, you know, you're a pretty unique organization being that you've got almost a 50-year span in terms of ages, you know, of your employees. So that, that's kind of wild. I'm curious... How does that look when it comes to surveying around the future and around kind of returning to the office or not, or hybrid or your choice, or what what's going on in your organization when it comes to that?
1: Well, with that, I've seen a lot more people want hybrid. Okay. They, they want to come in maybe one or two days a week. Mm-hmm. And it's really not because they don't have what they need at home to get their okay. work done. It's because... They're talking to their coworkers or their cohorts or their little pods that they're in and seeing when they're going to be in the office. Because even though we have communicated this way, we have our meetings this way virtually, it's not the same as being in person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them feel like I get more excited to see people when I get to see them in person or I haven't seen this person in a year. It would be good to just go in and be able to brainstorm with them having a table between us versus a computer screen. Um, So we've gotten a lot of that also, but I think it's also been quite a a unique shift because a lot of people have started to realize I don't need to be in an office Mm -hmm. to get my work done. And some of the people that I've surveyed have come back and told me, like I had a two hour commute before the pandemic. Wow. And now I have a five minute commute from my bedroom to get my coffee and then to my desk. Right. I would much rather do that and, you know, have a a designated time where we can all get together outside somewhere and have fun versus just being in an office and staring at people from my desk. (laughs) So it's been a little bit of a mix there that the, that some people are excited to come back into the office and others are like, what's the point? We don't really need to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. You know, like, it's interesting that I would imagine and and I'm, you know, I might be making too many assumptions here that your first survey, right, probably was a little bit uh, stereotypical in terms of young people said this, and the middle aged folks said that, right? But then over the course of time, I would guess they got closer together, you know, in terms of their desires.
1: They did. And I would say that the gap in between those would be the the team members who are parents. Ah. And so it's been a little bit more challenging for them to navigate this because, you know, not every... Place or school, whether it's childcare, daycare, camp, all of those things got canceled and it just kind of threw everyone for a loop. And they're trying to figure out how do I take care of my children and still work and still do all these other things that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And so it was. Luckily, one of our clients does kind of like this play works type of thing. So we were able to get resources from them and oh, share wow. that with our team members of, you know, different things you can do, like in your backyard or in, in your home or different YouTube videos where, you know, you can have an activity for your children. So it's it's been fun listening to their responses and how they've been navigating, trying to take care of their children and work or having a different type of schedule set up because they have to be the primary caregiver or teacher during those normal business hours. And so they work either earlier in the morning or later in the the evening. And so it's been interesting getting their perspectives as well. But I can tell you a lot of them can't wait for school to (laughs) (laughs) reopen.
0: Please take my kids back. Oh, I, I, I get it. I've, I have four children, which is why I work in a, a closet out of my bedroom, but <laughs> the folks listening can't see that. But yeah, so I could totally relate. One thing I'm curious about, because if we're heading into an environment, and it sounds like from most of the interviews I do, and just most of the folks we talk to, we're going to end up in some sort of hybrid space. And, and that's going to mean different things. Maybe there is an office and you go there optionally. Maybe there's one and you go there once or twice a week in a compulsory way. Maybe it's everybody's remote till the end of time. But regardless, this idea of working at home, this idea of sort of not having someone looking over your shoulder, not necessarily aware of what you're doing every second of every day, does that impact the way you think about recruiting? Does it Does it impact the way you think about the type of candidate you want at your organization and sort of what their intrinsic motivators are and so forth. Like, did you get my question? Does, does that impact things for you? It does. And it. I have like a whole list of
1: behavioral questions that I ask now to candidates because I'm trying to figure out what motivates them. I'm trying to figure out how they stay organized. I'm trying to figure out if they've ever worked in a remote environment before and what their experience has been like. Right. I'm trying to figure out if they communicate well, you know, virtually, whether it's email, phone call, instant message. I'm trying to figure all of these things out because then I go into, well, this is how we do it here. Mm. And I want you to be able to easily transition into this culture where we are heavy on the technology side. Right. From a communication standpoint, and even from a performance standpoint, it's all virtual. Yeah. So I do ask quite a few behavioral questions and situational questions mm-hmm. now, just to kind of get an idea of people's thinking patterns and you know their mind frames when it comes to different situations that they could encounter in the positions that they're applying for. Yeah. But I will say, from from my side of things it's opened up a door for me because now I can go after talent that I wouldn't normally go after. Right. Which is, is a great thing because, you know, sometimes you can get saturated in one area and you've gone through all of the available candidates in that area and you, you just feel stuck. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. No one wants to move, but when you can open that up to the rest of the country, the resumes fly in Right, and you're able to, add to the different pockets that you're in. We're spread out all, all over the United States at this point, but it's also kind of fuel the technology piece where we have to communicate better. Right. We have to do it more consistently and we have to make sure that everyone feels included.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say one more question, but I actually have two because you you, you put me onto something I want to address, which is, do you think that we are competing yet on our flexibility standards, on our policies that allow working in the evening or working, you know, X number of days a week or whatever, like, are we competing on that yet when it comes to candidates coming in the door? Are they asking, tell me about your PTO, tell me about your flexible schedule? Can I work from home? Are those the first questions or are we there yet? We are there.
1: And I won't say those are the first questions. Usually the the first question is about pay.
0: Right. But the (laughs) second or third
1: question (laughs) (laughs) is definitely about the flexibility and the remote scheduling. And I think that is because to stay competitive in the market today, those are just things that you have to offer because people can go to any of these companies and get that. And so whether you're a tech company or an insurance company, you know, you have to adapt and change with the times. And this is just one of those things where remote work is one of those options that most people, especially millennials, Gen Zers, if you're trying to recruit straight out of college, those are things that they're looking for. And especially because most of them who are recent graduates, they did their last year of school remotely. So why would they want to come into an office to work when they can do what they've been doing already?
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that is, it's their expectation, right? I mean, that's just that's what they know already. That it makes perfect sense. Last thing I want to ask you: this is something just just personally that I'm thinking about as a leader of a company. Curious if, and this is you, you probably haven't gone down this path yet as an organization. So this is just conjecture for the record for all of our listeners. But you think about recruiting. Remote folks in different time zones, like you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. I would imagine you have a hub, which I believe is in Atlanta. Is that right? San Francisco. San Francisco. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. San Francisco. So San Francisco is the hub. You recruit somebody in New York, you recruit another person in Philly, you recruit somebody in Austin, right? So let's say you have 50, 60% of your workforce is in San Fran. And mm-hmm. then, right, I did hypothetical. 40-50 not. So for the San Francisco folks, you could have an office, they could come in one, once or twice a week, right? There's that opportunity for community, right, sitting right. across the table, like you mentioned, but for the non-hub, if you will, remote folks, that opportunity isn't there. So mm-hmm. my question, that was a lot of a preamble, my question is, do you think that's going to lead us down a path of having more offices and more cities as organizations? Or is it just kind of a, Hey, the expectation is you're a fully remote person. You're happy. We're happy, you know, and and that's kind of is what it is.
1: For us, it's a a little bit of the latter. Okay. But also my strategy behind hiring people outside of the Bay Area is I want them to at least be close in time zone to someone that they would work with on their team. Okay. So my most recent hire was in Indianapolis. That core team is in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So- it works out that they're at least in the same time zone and they're close enough. to if they want it to get together, they could.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So that's kind of been the way I kind of strategize when hiring outside of the Bay area. I want you to at least be a quick drive away from someone. If you want to go and grab a drink and get to know someone or mm-hmm. grab a coffee, please do that. That's yeah. what we want you to do. We want you to, you know, welcome these people in or find a way to integrate into that group that you're in. Right. So that you have that camaraderie, you feel like you can call someone up and ask a question because they're so close to you. Right. So we've been doing a lot of that. And then we're in conversation now about bringing all of our people to the Bay area twice a year. Okay. As an alternative Mm -hmm. to them just being remote and off on their own. So, you know, the big Christmas celebration at the end of the year, maybe Thanksgiving, And maybe even some of our all-team meetings that we have quarterly. We're still trying to figure out which ones we're going to do, but it'll likely be around the holidays. Okay. Maybe have people come in for the week and be in the office for that week. Right. So that they can still have at least a week, a year with the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once a year, it would feel like a vacation. Yeah. You get to come out to San Francisco, hang out, work and I'm sure there'd be a, a lot on, on the social schedule. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds Gerald like your company, my company, many companies we're talking to have a lot of the same conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's that's interesting. They're not all arriving at the same conclusion necessarily. Right. But I love that idea of being in, intentional enough to say, yes, we are opening up the bounds of who we will recruit and who we will interview but i'm going to try to place people near others to to the extent that they could reasonably get together every once in a while and have that face-to-face interaction that if you could pull that off i feel like that's just extra you know like that's that's really beautiful if you can pull that off in this remote first world that we've entered into so well really excellent insights and i you know i really appreciate the time i'd love to hear i don't know if it's six months from now or whatever i'd love to have you come back and go hey how'd that go you know (laughs) like what actually happened i know these were your intentions and, and what's the truth now and and just get an update because we're all in this transition together but it sounds like there's a lot of very deep thought going on and so i really appreciate that
1: no problem i'd love to come back just let me know when.
0: all right right, will do as long as i get that invite to san Fran. you got it <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks so much again for being a part of it and and thank you all for listening to bragworthy culture we'll catch you next week